You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365, you know, the daily podcast, the reason this is daily is because, well, we knew that the environment of NFTs was going to change. And, and, you know, even just looking at from the summer to the fall, you know, the rapid involvement of, you know, what are NFT projects, how NFT projects are, you know, how brands and celebrities and athletes are getting involved. But I will tell you, there's a difference between, you know, expecting change or understanding that there are a lot of variables in play in the you know in this early adoption phase and then really understanding that you're riding a roller coaster that has no predictability around it right like the the idea of of predicting not only like predicting what a project's going to be like but also like even predicting what's the value of the currency that we're trading with right or predicting like you know okay, this project's launching next week. Well, we don't know what other projects are doing, right? And like how we look at liquidity in the market is such an important variable, right? Because if all of a sudden one of like the big projects like VFriends, right? If all of a sudden VFriends drops, you know, airdrops VCon tickets uh, to all of the, you know, those that have a VFriend, which is what Gary V just did, ultimately he's giving his VFriend holders an opportunity to make money and sell their their VCon ticket. And the floor on it, I think, is, is close to two ETH uh, when I checked. And because of that, there might be people that were planning on buying an NFT today or yesterday that all of a sudden were like, wait a second, I wanna, I'm going to flip some of my other NFTs out so I can build my bag enough so I can buy a ticket for VCon because I didn't know until that airdrop happened the other day that that was even a possibility. And so it's really been fun and interesting and a little bit chaotic to study like the nuances in in a space that is is rapidly evolving but the variables at play can change day over day hour over hour um even as much as so as you know gas prices or even um you know how something is marketed or how something is brought to light. And so you know, as we've been buying an NFT, you know, every single day for a year and, you know, very proud about the fact that we've minted on uh, 10 blockchains and we've been really focusing on um, diversity of projects and diversity of founders and uh, diversity of art, uh, diversity of utility. I want to kind of just like kind of share, you know, some of the things that are um, less volatile. Let's just say it that way. Some things that you can kind of bet on um, when it comes to, you know, the NFT space. And the real thing this comes down to it is, you know, I've talked a lot about on the podcast about like projected utility and actual utility. Um, And it also kind of comes into play with like how people are going to leverage things, right? There are some communities where, you know, and this is something I I want everyone to kind of look at, right? If if you're going to jump into a project that's already established, one of the things that I like to look at is how many, you know, how many individual holders 
does that NFT project have? And then how many of those holders are active in their Discord? Like how many of those holders show up to their Twitter spaces? And even something as, as much as like, does, does this project have an email newsletter for those that are not active in those places? Because, you know, it's very easy to think about like the volume and think about uh, floor price or just the individual holder number in general. But really when you think about it is there's a difference between those that are holding uh, because I like, believe in a project that aren't active versus those that are holding and that are active and that are like, you know, really building the community, part of the community, they're active in the community. Um, and, you know, part of that is because, I mean, we know that NFT holders and owners, you know, we are some of the most impatient humans that there are, right? We want things um, delivered when they are, you know, all the time. And we're always comparing like, hey, this project dropped the ape coin. Like, why haven't our project done that, right? And it's so funny because no two projects are alike, in my opinion. Even like expansion projects or um, some of these derivative projects, they're they're not the same um, as their original, right? From like, you know, where the type of people that are part of it, you know, what they're all about. And so I've really been thinking about this a lot recently because for me as a collector, right? So I'm not thinking about the, the, the actual um, Mint 365 here. I'm thinking about myself as a collector. You know, when my NFTs were, you know, stolen from my wallet and I was looking at like my NFTs and like the ones that I was like, oh my gosh, like what would I be? And this is probably a good exercise to do when you're not having your NFTs stolen. So for everyone that's out there, like, you know, I have a Ledger Nano. I have a, you know, a Ledger Nano hardware wallet. And when you think about it, like, you know, like, okay, what are the most valuable, quote unquote, valuable NFTs? And you want to put them in your hard wallet, right? I actually think the value of the NFT is actually more than just the floor price, right? Like, what is the value to you? And for me, that really struck me. I mean, it struck me hard when I was looking at my NFTs and trying to save them, right? And and for those that don't know that whole story, but like, as I realized that my, my, my wallet was compromised and I could see them sending my NFTs out, I started transferring my own out, right? Like to a, another wallet that I had already had set up um, previously. And, and the funny thing is a couple of people went to me and like, Brian, like, how did you prioritize what you would have, um, you know, exited out? And most people would say like, Brian would have been smartest to like sort by like highest listed or most, you know, um, value that you bought for them. But I didn't do that. Like I, I switched to the biggest view that I could have on my monitor and I just started scrolling to the ones that like I knew off the top of my head that I would be devastated um, if they were taken out of my wallet. And the reason I bring that in this conversation is, you know, when you think about things that are predictable or like the variables that are at play in an NFT, um, you know, in this NFT space, one of them is like understanding that like, that if, if part of the, if the actual utility is that people have an emotional connection to a piece of art, like they buy the right one, they buy the one that they love, that's going to, that's going to really change how a project is, is valued. And what I mean by that is there's a difference than someone getting an NFT and saying, Ooh, I love this art versus what I usually do is that if I'm buying into a project, I'm going to find the one that most associates with me, with me and my brand, right? If there's one with a hat on it, I love pink, right? So if it has pink, if it has a hat, I like rainbow colors, right? I like bright colors. I like art that is bold and unique. Um, I like tattoos. I like 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 things that, that stand out from a collection where if you saw this piece, you knew that it was unlike most pieces, right? It doesn't mean that it's the most rare or the most unique. 
But the reason I say that's important is that, you know, some of the variables that you know won't change are really the, the things within a collection that people value the most. And so this is actually something that you want to do research on to understand about a collection, even if you aren't going to buy one of those that are, you know, that people love the most, right? So most of you know that, you know, Crypto Chicks is, is one of my favorite projects that is out there. And Crypto Chicks, you know, those that have the horns um, in the Crypto Chicks, like those became the thing that people love to collect the most, right? So the ones with the horns on them. And it's not the most rare trait, but it just became the ones that like the community kind of identified around. Well, if you could go into all of the projects that you're thinking about jumping into and look for those things that people like value, might be the gold fur, right? Or it might be um, the hat, or it might be the one that has like the blacked out background, or it might be the one that has um, the skull mask, or um, for like the in-betweeners, it might be the hockey mask. I know that Drew has that one. And you might be asking, like, Brian, why is that important is if I'm, even if I'm not getting one of those? Well, what I like to do is I like to look at it and say, like, who are the people that are most active in this community? And what is their connection to the art and the community? Because there are certain NFT collections that have a big group of people that are, like, ride or die. There are others that have a lot of individual holders, but there's only a few of them that are ride or die. And, like... So when I'm trying to look at like predictability of a, of a project or where things are going, like part of me almost wants to see, okay, how, what's the likelihood that if something goes really bad in this project, that people are going to jump ship? And that sounds really like negative and I'm not looking for a negative in here, but it's actually been something that's worked to my benefit because you know, this is something that, you know, if you, if people do not have an emotional attach, uh, you know, attachment to their NFT, their, their ability to be swayed to maybe sell it or flip it or to sell it, to buy into another project that they like is actually greater, right? That's not very hard to figure out. And, and for me, part of that goes into like, I want to know who's buying the mar- the merchandise for a project. And I've mentioned that before, right? If, if you're, if you're buying NFT project merchandise, what's the chance that you're selling all of your NFTs for that collection? I'm going to guess it's pretty slim to none, right? Because are you going to wear a project that you no longer have in your bag? I don't see that very likely, right? And then the other part of this as well is that like understanding, you know, how good the community is at coming together without waiting for the leadership or the, the founders of the project. And that's a really important one, right? Because it, it, it's, it tells us two things about projects as we're researching them. One, that the founder isn't ego-driven and isn't making it all about them, which is key. Number two is that people feel empowered to create spaces, conversations, suggest channels in Discord that are of value to them and to the community. And for me, like this is one of those things that I just think is so apparent in great communities, but it usually doesn't jump out in like the average good communities. And of course, in the bad communities, we mostly know that people are mostly silent unless there's something bad or they're complaining, right? Now, this is an important aspect of this environment in this world because not only are we always changing and there's always things going on, but we always have to new, learn new aspects of things. And the question that I've been asking, and, I, you know, and, I, and I've mentioned like my shack example, right? I have a whole episode on why 
like leaders, celebrities should all you know, learn from Shaq when it comes to just because you have millions of followers, multiple, multiple millions of followers, doesn't mean you're going to sell out a collection. But there is also something to be said about people's like conviction and love for what they're, they're building and what they're a part of. And for me, because I'm, we're buying so many NFTs and, um, you know, I, ha- you know, my personal bag has a, a ton of NFTs and, and as well at the collection, I'm not able to be as active in a lot of discords. But what I am is I have a lot of Twitter lists that have like my favorite collections in them. And I'm very active, uh, responding to their Twitter. Actually, I think there's five projects, maybe six projects that I even have the, the, the Twitter account of the project notifications on because I want to be aware of like everything that they're doing. And I mean, what does that really tell us right from a a collection perspective? I actually think it tells us a lot. If people are so dialed into a project that they don't want to miss an update or something that's going on, that to me is, is like a, is a great sign, but that also can also mean a couple of things that we might not realize. Right. And one of them is that if it's people's first NFT or maybe their current only NFT, that also changes the way that the community kind of runs and how things are going, right? And I actually, this is one of those stats that I wish that I wish projects, we would be able to get this information. It's like, I would love to know what is the percentage of those that are selling their NFTs that are also the people that are active in that Discord, right? There's a lot of people that hold an NFT that are not active in the Discords for that NFT. Maybe they don't like Discord. Maybe they're joined too many Discords. Maybe the, the Discord vibe and energy isn't for them, but they believe in the project. The other variables that I, I like to kind of look at from a predictability perspective is like, who are the people or, or the other collections that projects are looking to collaborate with, right? Because it's not only because like who they, who they value in the sense of alignment, but like it also will tell you like where they're spending their time, right? And like, I find this really interesting and, uh, and, and I don't think I've ever shared this on the podcast. Like one of the things I track is that if a, a project is upcoming, right? And it comes on our radar and we're thinking about minting it. If I'm in Twitter spaces and one of those projects jump into the Twitter space, I take a screenshot of it on my phone because I'm like, okay, this project is in there for this topic or for this brand or for this project. Like what, what, what can I learn from that? Right. And so like, there's a, there's a, some of those like nuances there that exist. I've also shared this before, but I think it's another great one to tap into is like, I look like to look at what are the other NFTs that holder, that holders of this collection are also holding. Right. So like I will go in, like, I mean, I have open open right now. Right. Like, uh, let's say that I want to jump into a project. I'm just kind of scrolling down, trying to find a project um, that I am, uh, you know, not active in. I don't know, you know, a ton. So three landers, right. Three landers uh, is a newer project has a 1.85 floor. Right. So um, one of the things that I'm going to do is like, okay, it has, you know, 5,600 uh, individual owners of a 10,000 piece collection, which they're over the 50% mark. Um, they have a lot of volume traded. They, of course, have a high um, floor price. Now, what I like to do is I like to kind of look at, you know, the people that are listing the NFTs for sale, kind of like in the activity. But then I also like to look and see like, okay, if I can click on a couple of them and look at their collections, you know, not only what, are, what else do they have, but like how many do some of these people have that are selling it, right? So like, actually funny enough, the one of the ones, first ones I opened, this person has, has three of the three landers um, in their, um, 
in their actual OpenSea account. And then they have a lot of like a, two other projects. Ooh, and that's it. Wow, okay. So they have two other projects where they own like 30 of them. And then they have two of the three landers projects, right? Okay, so that's an, like an interesting variable. And you can't use like just one of those variables. But I'm a, I would go through a lot of the, of the holders' uh, collections to just see like, and, and another way that I like to do is I like to look at like who's buying the ones that are 10x above the floor, right? Like who are buying, and like I remember doing this with World of Women. Man, I, I remember I, I reached out to a couple of friends that had liquidity and I was like, you need to jump into World of Women. And they were like, why? And I was like, because I'm looking at who is buying the more rare versions of World of Women early on. And these people are serious, serious collectors. They, they are people that do research. They are people that I know that they're very active in the, the social community. And I also know that they don't go hardcore into a project unless it's one that they really want to invest in, right? And we can, you can often tell that by, by someone's bag. And, and I will know that because people will message me and they'll say things like, Brian, I see that you hold like six meta whips that you hold, you know, multiple uh, crypto chicks, you hold multiple uh, crypto dads, you hold multiple uh, meta athletes, you hold any, like they'll, they'll kind of go and like, they're like, I see that you hold multiples of those. Why don't you hold multiples of, and they'll name the project they care about, which I actually think is great research, right? Because maybe that'll tell you something. Now for me, oftentimes that's what that's going to tell you is that I probably flipped multiple NFTs to get one that I really love or one that's super rare that I'm going to hold on to for a long while, right? I mean, I did that with crypto chicks. I, I had bought, I think, up to five crypto chicks and I flipped them up to build uh, liquidity so that I can buy the one that I really love, which was the rare one, um, you know, which unfortunately was stolen from me. Um, but that that's actually one of the ways that I kind of like show, like, so just because I own a lot of one collection doesn't mean I value that collection more so than a collection I own one of because maybe that one of is one that I know that I will never sell. But the, the piece of this that I also think is, is very interesting from a, like a variable and a virality perspective is I like to look and try to find if there's a spike in the, in the volume of trades of a collection that, that we're looking at going back into, right? Like if I'm going back into a project that, you know, that is already pretty established, maybe it's in the top 200 on OpenSea, I'm going to go look at their activity, their, you know, their, their volume of activity. And I'm going to click, I'm going to scroll over. And if there's a big spike, I'm going to look at the date and then I'm going to go under their Twitter account and I'm going to scroll down to that date on Twitter and see if they made a big announcement. If they didn't, I'm going to go into their Discord. I'm going to look on their announcements feed and see if there was something that they announced, something that they talked about for a big spike or even a big drop. Like, right? what was the, the variable? And most of the time, I can figure it out, right? Most of the time, it could be a, a celebrity retweeted them or um, they did a Twitter space that lasted 13 hours and people were excited. Sometimes it's that they announced that the thing that people wanted the most is going to come a month early or the thing that they wanted, here's the teasers of it, here's the preview of it. Maybe it could be like, you know, Gary Vee took a, a photo uh, wearing the merch for your project. Women and Weapons, that's what happened this week. Women and Weapons, uh, Gary tweeted out that, uh, that merch uh, photo and like, of course, the floor shot up. And the reason I think of this as important is that knowing that the community is that actively aware of what's going on. So it's funny because you might have thought that I was going to be like, oh, because 
you want to be able to ride the highs and you know buy buy the dip. No, I'm actually thinking of it from this way. I can actually tell how active the community is based on what they're reacting to in the sales volume. Because a lot of projects, they'll slowly start to drip down in their in the floor price and in their average uh, daily sale. Uh, because like people aren't checking in that often, right? Like it's almost like LinkedIn. Like I, I actually, this is how, this is a great way to think of it. Are the, are the majority of the holders of the collection, are they treating the collection like Instagram or are they treating the collection like LinkedIn? What I mean by that is those that are checking in like Instagram, check in on that discord every single day. They're following the Twitter. They're, they're excited to jump in the Twitter spaces, just like we check on Instagram. Those that are checking it like LinkedIn, usually you're checking LinkedIn once a week, if that, or like when you're looking for a job. So like those type of people are like, oh, I bought that NFT. I'll check in in a month and see where it's at, right? And these variables actually are important on both sides, right? Because for me, like there are projects that I collect that I don't ever look at the floor price, ever. Like, I mean, ever, ever. Like not because I'm like bragging, but because I have no intention, like I don't even care because I'm not selling. And the one that I hold is a so rare that the floor price can go down and the, the, the floor for the, the properties that I have is still high, right? Like, and that's a, that's a big thing that like for us to kind of realize, right? Because like average, like average sale price or the floor of certain traits matters to me a lot more than watching the floor go up and down, right? And that's just something you, that we want to pay attention to. The other piece of this that we also want to look at from a variable perspective is how, how much of what the project is doing is based on the current price of crypto. What I mean by that is there are projects that are, that are saying like, hey, in Q2, we're going to invest in our metaverse project. Well, the metaverse project that there might be investing in might be a half a million dollars. That half a million dollars might be a certain amount of ETH today. But if ETH takes a big dip, are they still going to be able to invest that same amount of USD into one of these metaverse projects? And so that's one of the ones that you want to kind of like start to listen to and lean into, understand like what, how they're using their budget, how they're even thinking of things. And even like I like projects that will tell you like we're investing, we're, we're hiring, we're spending this money now but we're not going to implement it into Q3, right? Because like now they're telling you, like we know we have this money, we're going to invest in that, right, at, at this moment. The other thing that I like to think about is like what are the different projects' plans beyond reaching the current NFT collectors? What I mean by that is, are they a project that is based basing their like long-term success on people coming to them, like the field of dreams? Like, are these projects that are saying, if we build it, they will come? What I mean by that is, if the project says, well, don't worry, the floor price is going to go up, or this project's going to be more valuable once we drop the metaverse. Well, just because you have a metaverse project doesn't mean that, that new people are going to all of a sudden value your project higher. Because how are you marketing that? How are you advertising that? How are you bringing that outside of your own Discord, your own ecosystem? There are a lot of NFT projects right now that they could simply change their trajectory by doing multiple Twitter spaces a week, being consistent with it for a month. 
Like, yeah, I, like I firmly believe just giving people that access and that, that conversation would, would spike, you know, the loyalty, but also spike people that, that didn't, that couldn't find it before. Right. Projects that are doing Instagram projects that are coming on podcasts or, you know, collaborating with podcasts, right? Like those are, are trying to reach, right? Like, and, and that's another variable that you want to look at, right? Like what are, you know, what are the different ways of mediums that people are, you know, either creating content as owners and collectors, but also those, what are the founders doing, right? Like what is their commitment to these type of things? And then lastly, the thing that I also think of is like in a, in a variable perspective is how much of the tech or of the roadmap is based on money, how much of it is based on technology, and how much of it based is based on education. Let me say that again. How much of the upcoming roadmap, so even if you're buying into a project that's three months old, right, like they've already delivered some things along the way, how much of that future roadmap is dependent on leveraging a certain time of tech, right? If they're doing a metaverse play or a gaming play, there's a tech play. If, if it's a, we're doing merchandise or we're revamping our website or we're adding a marketplace on our own website, um, that's going to be more of like a money play, right? They're going to have to pay higher devs, figure out that side. Or it might be a combination or a little in between, but it's more of an education play, right? Where they're like, hey, we're going to launch a new content site where everyone that holds the NFT is going to get access to this new mastermind course or this new um, login. Well, we know that that's going to cost money, but it's also going to cost require education. And here's the thing about that. How are they going to reach the current NFT holders if those current NFT holders aren't active with them every day on social? Like I've, I, I personally believe a communication plan, like not even, like even bigger than a PR plan, like a, a, an elaborate communication plan that allows you to connect with your current holders and your future holders is essential. And I know that sounds kind of like old school, like, oh my goodness, I want people to sign up for my email newsletter. No, it doesn't need to be a newsletter. It needs to be a communication channel, right? So it could be SMS, right? Like as soon as someone goes in the Discord, as soon as they get into the, um, you know, the holder chat uh, for holding an NFT, you should be able to get a way to communicate with them outside of you just posting in, in the, the announcements. And I know for the last year, that's been like the norm, right? Like, like I'm really mad. Like one of my favorite projects, I missed out on a free mint last night and I'm fairly active in their discord. And I missed it because I didn't see one tweet they posted and they did post a couple of times in their discord, but I just didn't have notifications on yesterday. I was dealing with too much. And for me as a holder, I feel bummed. I feel disappointed. And I don't think any project wants their holders to feel bummed or disappointed because it used to be like, oh, well, if they feel like they missed out, now they're going to be in our discord and be more active. Not necessarily. They might be like, well, that project doesn't really care about communicating with me. I'm going to sell that one so I can buy into another project that is giving me different options of ways that we can communicate. So this is one of the things that I believe collections are going to improve on. It's one of the things that we are working on even here with the podcast is that, you know, we have 
We turn every podcast episode into a blog post on our website. We turn, uh, I record video for every one of the solo episodes, so there's video on YouTube if you want to watch this on YouTube. We have an email newsletter that goes out that gives you kind of like a too long, didn't read uh, review of what we've been doing, what, what NFTs we bought, what are the things that I have going on, um, which, you know, which events I'm attending, what things are, that, that are happening. And we have that in the email newsletter. We also are very active on our Discord, very active on our Twitter. We have an NFT 365 Instagram account. We have an NFT 365 LinkedIn account. We have a Facebook group that is called the NFT 365 Podcast. And you might be like, Brian, that seems like you're a little bit of everywhere. Well, we kind of are. But I also recognize something that is essential. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of wrap this episode with this. Right now, NFT projects are forcing their collectors and owners to communicate the way that they prefer, the, the project prefers. You must get on Discord. You must follow us on Twitter. But we all know that if you want to create a great relationship and, and get the ultimate answer, the ultimate success with your customer, with those owners, you should be communicating where and how they prefer to be communicated with. Like for me, I hate email despise email. I've said it everywhere and anywhere. A lot of people book me for a keynote speech, Facebook Messenger, LinkedIn in mail, because there's actually probably a higher likelihood. And I'm going to get back to them. Sometimes we send it into email and, I, and I'll CC you know, my team on it. But email is something that I despise. Like I just can't stand email. But we have an email newsletter because I also know a lot of people, that's the best way for them to stay up to date with all the things that we have going on. And I say all this because I messed this up with the ADHD coin that I dropped. Like right now, I don't have a way to reach all of my ADHD coin supporters, but we're fixing that because we've integrated that within the podcast. We've integrated that within the Discord, within our, our Facebook group. And so we're gonna see some shifts. We're gonna see, this is where I like to think of it. As collectors, we need to pay attention to what are the variables around a project that aren't gonna be on a roller coaster sporadic. And then as project creators, project owners, as creators ourselves, we have to figure out what are the ways that we can keep consistent the trust building, the communication we have with our audience, with our owners. Because the magic really comes down to something simple. I think the projects that communicate the best with their owners are going to win in the long run. And I know some of you OGs are going to say, well, Board Apes hasn't done that very well. CryptoPunks, their communication is very stagnant. Um, you know, World of Women does a great job in the Discord, but they don't really have a lot of things outside. I, I don't know that on World of Women. Times are changing. We, people are collecting more NFTs. People are also coming into summer break. We're also realizing that we have a very high likelihood of clicking on the wrong button, so we're joining a lot less projects. Or we're clicking in and, and, and uh, you know, verifying ourselves a lot less. And so as collectors and owners of NFTs, as we get smarter, as we demand better communication, the projects that are already thinking that are the projects that are going to really kill it. Don't tell people that you want them to sign up for your email newsletter and then pitch them or try to upsell them. Use that newsletter to build trust, to establish that transparent communication. And yes, you can sprinkle in some upsells or some giveaways or some announcements. But our, our goal should not be to get people in the Discord, to get people to follow us on Twitter. 
our goal should be how do we make sure that we are communicating the way that the mass majority of our NFT holders prefer to be communicated with. As most of you know, we are super powered by the ADHD coin over on Rally. You can check that out at ADHDcoin.com. Also check out our uh, fun project, uh, the producer of NFT365, as well as myself and Kevin and, and uh, the Clemens family were all involved. Uh, Meta Athletes. Meta Athletes, uh, did the Mint just rolled out the other day. Um, it's, a, it's an amazing slow burn project. Uh, the first 2,000 uh, seats are out there right now for you to jump on. Um, I can tell you I'm going to be massively active in that Discord. We're going to be doing trainings and collaborations. Um, and a lot of that content is going to be just for NFT holders. So if you're holding a meta athlete, you're going to be able to, to open up this meta minds uh, mastermind environment. And a lot of the things that I'll be delivering in there will only be available uh, for those in there. So check out meta athletes for sure. Uh, I'm excited to be on their team until tomorrow. My friends make it a great day. Cheers. Cheers.